episode 167 with Glenn Lundy, the founder of Rise and Grind, the morning radio show, became popular on Facebook and other social media platforms, and then he leveraged that popularity on the Clubhouse app. Clubhouse is a still new blossoming app, and Glenn hosts the most popular room on Clubhouse. Check it out, Breakfast with Champions, every single day, Monday through Saturday, I believe now. Breakfast with Champions starts at 5 a.m. Eastern Time and uh, goes for at least five or six hours every day, and uh, they bring on a lot of inspirational, insightful, successful people to share and uh, bring value to everyone's lives. So uh, Clubhouse, the app is growing exponentially. Glenn was uh, one of the first to uh, recognize the app's potential, and now he's got the most popular room on Clubhouse. Check him out, Glenn Lundy. We've linked him in the show notes. As always, everybody, please subscribe or follow the podcast, share the podcast with your friends, rate, review, comment, etc. cetera. Uh, the comments, the, the five stars, all these things don't go unnoticed and they're much appreciated. With that said, everybody had a fantastic conversation from homelessness, imprisonment, attempted suicide, to now one of the more popular personalities on Clubhouse app and Rise and Grind and a man that is serving others to bring joy to people's lives. Please welcome the one and only Glenn Lundy. The Optimal Life. So, uh, how uh, how do you think your Oakland Raiders are going to look next season? You know, I think they'll look... Uh, I think they're going to look pretty good, actually. Uh, I think we've made some good moves. We've got some up-and-coming players doing some big things. Uh, I think I think we got a, you know, we had a, had a decent season last year. We lost a couple close ones. Uh, kind of fell apart on the back end, but uh, yeah, we've had some time and some rest, and I, I think we'll be pretty good. Is Gruden coming back? He is, yeah. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, he he struggled a little bit with this team, even though they seem to be making improvements, like you said. Um, He's definitely had his challenges. This wasn't like those glorious Tampa Bay Buccaneers years when he was uh, coaching them to the Super Bowls. (laughs) Have you always been... uh, Where are you you located, Glenn? I'm in Kentucky. Yeah, that's what I thought. I've been in Kentucky for the last 15 years. Prior to that, I grew up in Arizona before they had a, uh, a football team. And so... Uh, back in those days, you had two choices if you lived on that side of the country. You either had to be a Niners fan or a Raiders fan, and uh, mm. I chose the Raiders. <laughs> well, those were the glory days. My favorite game growing up was Tecmo Super Bowl, and uh, Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen oh, yeah. were inc- – I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about a game where you couldn't stop two guys, that was the game. That was definitely the game. <laughs> it was incredible, man. We've come a long way since Run, then. Backs. 60 yards and throw a long bomb for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've come a long way technologically, obviously, since then. And uh, technology seems to be something that, that really has helped you uh, focus your entire career on. Um, so I want to get into it. There's a lot of different things that you're doing uh, these days. Let's let's start with, um, let's start with Clubhouse, because Clubhouse is an app that's fairly new. And you host a show on the uh, app called Breakfast with Champions. Um, I've listened in on a few of them. I must admit, I'm still not a uh, uh, you know a big Clubhouse user. 
Um, but I've listened in on a few of your conversations and uh, I always hear them talking about how, or maybe I've heard you talk about how, you know, there was a point in time in your life where uh, you felt like uh, you couldn't get a seat at the table. Uh, and you make the analogy, I couldn't get a seat at the table with other high-powered individuals and I just felt lost. So uh, elaborate on that if you would and talk about what led you to uh, ultimately getting involved in Clubhouse. Yeah, you know, so it's really important that put yourself in the room with people and individuals that are going to push you, that are going to stretch you. Uh, the craziest thing about us humans is we don't know what we don't know. And it's very easy for us to create basically a fishbowl effect where we think that everything in our reality is reality. And so when I was younger, I spent a very long season of my life living very two-dimensionally. So mind and body, if it looked good and it felt good, the answer was yes. And I had a very Darwinistic approach at things. So if I could get over on you, I would. If I could take advantage of you, that was your fault, not mine. You just weren't as strong as I was. And so that season of life obviously led to broken relationships, uh, led to you know a lot of discourse between people that uh, trusted me, that I ended up breaking their trust. And so as I continued down that path, uh, that path led me to just making poor decision after poor decision, being in, at the wrong, the wrong tables with the wrong people, hanging out with the wrong crowds, as they say, uh, in and out of jail and, and doing, you know, the drug thing. The party scene was wild and, uh, you know, little petty crimes and stupid stuff uh, that ultimately led me to be alone and homeless uh, on, the, on the beaches of San Diego, California. And in that season of homelessness, you know, it, the worst part about homelessness, Nate, is not, it's not that you don't have a roof over your head or you don't have food, anything like that. The worst part about homelessness is you become invisible. Uh, people stop making eye contact with you. No one ever says your name. Mm. And as you become invisible, that invisibleness leads to a sense of hopelessness. Hopelessness, and for me, led to a deep state of depression. And depression led to suicidal thoughts and ultimately uh, an attempt on my own life. I tried to take my own life uh, clearly unsuccessfully. Wow. <laughs> or this would be a really crazy interview. How, so how did you try to do that? That season, what's that? How, how did you try? What was the way you attempted to do that? Yeah, so I'm not a very good swimmer at all. And uh, there's this huge ocean <laughs> that I looked at every single day and so one day I decided was going to be my last day and as the beaches started to clear out I went ahead and swam out and my thought process was I'll swim out as far as I can until I'm completely exhausted and tired and ultimately I won't be able to swim back there would be no way wow. I'd be able to make it back wow. and so I did that's and I swam crazy. out, and I swam, and I swam, and I swam, man. Uh, what was crazy is after swimming out, completely completely exhausting myself, and going under for what I thought was going to be the last time, my feet hit the ground. 
popped up and was like, what is going on? And I look around and I'm basically back up on the beach. So I was trying to swim out as the tide was coming in. <laughs> and I was such a terrible swimmer that I couldn't even get out past the tide. That's and incredible. Luckily for me. Yeah, yeah. I would just ahead. say that that's just incredible that that was the way you wanted to end it. That seems like such a, uh, you know, suffocating, obviously drowning. What a painful way. And that was the way that you thought was the, the, the least resistance, huh? You know, I just try yeah, to get get you know, into the site. I didn't really have a whole lot of options. You yeah. know, I didn't have a gun. I didn't have money. I couldn't get any pills. I didn't have any relationships. I didn't have any connections. You know, and it really was it really was the only option that I could see that I could make sense of at the time. I'm curious before you continue on. You were talking about how before you ended up homeless and in jail your style was to just feast or famine basically it was survival of the fittest and if it was if i could put one up uh, on this guy or or you know pull a fast one uh, on somebody else it's their problem that's their fault for not catching on to this why do you think you employed that approach what was going on in your life that led you to have that mindset um so so i just you know, I was reading, like, I read a lot of stuff about, like, early on, I didn't have any spiritual upbringing. I didn't really, I didn't believe in third dimension. I didn't believe it was mind, body, and spirit. I thought it was just mind and body. So being a student, I studied things like uh, Darwinism, and I, I, I watched programs is about, uh, you know, Big Bang theories and so on and so forth. And so I just really had inundated myself with this belief system that it was go all in on self, go mm. all in on self. And if you could, you know, if you, that, that's how you win the game. Like that, 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 that was my mindset. Right. That's the way to win right. is to protect yourself uh, give yourself the upper hand, give yourself the edge, and there are no long-term consequences. You only have this one life, and, and then, then you go back into the ground, you know? And, uh, and, and and so I just kind of grew up that way, and I was around other people that acted in that way, too. You know, we fought. I used to fight people all the time. I thought that was a, a fun thing to do. We'd go out looking for fights, and, and I never really robbed people, but I had no problem, like, uplifting or stealing from a from a corporation from a from a company that to make things okay and and it just it was just the people that I surrounded myself with the media type content that I consumed it all pointed to puff your chest out be big be bad be strong and, and, and you can win, you know? It was wow. a really crazy mindset that I had back then. Wow, yeah, well, it's it's almost like you're surrounded you're surrounded in a paranoia type state where everyone's if I don't act like this way I'm going to be one of the victims of everyone else while these guys continue to quote unquote win even though as you realize nobody's winning look what happened to you in the long you know in a short period of time um, but as you were saying uh, that was the way you were it led you to homelessness which again uh, that was really powerful how you said you're almost like a ghost it's almost like you're not even alive no people, people won't even look at you I mean, what is that when you're yeah, when, when, when you're when you're in that place, Glenn, and you really reflect back to those days where you were a ghost. What is what is the emotional state like 
on a day-to-day basis for you? You know, I, I, it was a lot like that movie Groundhog Day <laughs> with, with Bill Murray. You know, every every day was the same. And so I would sleep on the bus at night. The buses run 24 hours up in San Diego. So I would get enough money to get on the bus in the evening, and, and I would stay on the bus and sleep on the bus until 6 a.m. when it would pull into the depot. And then it would pull in the depot. I would get off the bus, and I would spend my morning walking around looking for change on the ground to get enough for a sausage McMuffin with egg. I figured if I get a sausage McMuffin with egg, that would hit most of my food groups, right? I can get my dairy with the cheese. I can get my, my proteins with the meat. I can get some, <laughs> some starches with the bread. And so that would that would hit my, my daily food groups. And then I would spend the rest of the day looking for enough change to get back on the bus. And San Diego is the most beautiful place. It is so you're surrounded by wealth, and people are fit and smiling and happy and running down the beach holding hands and all of these things. And here I was, in the midst, of, you know, surrounded by complete joy and abundance. And I was like a tree, a shrub, a bench, just part of the background of this this beautiful scene. Mm. And so the hopelessness set in quick. Mm. It set in quick yeah. to know that all of these things were going on around me and I would never, what I believed at the time, I would never be able to participate in that scene. I would always be um, you know, one of the uh one of the one of the extras yes. in, in everybody else's movie. <laughs> yeah. Well that's and of course that led you to the deep dark depression which led you to the ocean. And uh, there was a higher power clearly that day that said, no, you're not leaving yet. So when the uh, failed attempt happens, how, wh- where do you go? How do you, get back, how do you get back on your feet and ultimately into, I think you went right into the automotive in- industry, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I did, man. And it's interesting. It all comes down to getting, getting, getting around you know, the right people and starting to learn the things that you don't know, right? And so that, that night when that happened, the message that I received was really loud and clear and call it from God or the universe or intuition or reflection or a revelation, call it whatever you want. But it became very clear to me as I laid there on the beach looking up at the stars and realizing how big the universe was and how small our problems were, it became very clear to me that this, the cities had changed the people I was around had changed. The bar that I was at each night changed. My girlfriends had changed. All of these things had changed around me, but I kept getting the exact same result. And there was only one constant, and that was me. Mm. And the message that I received that night was, Glenn, you are responsible and ultimately the catalyst for all things bad in your life. You are not a victim. You are actually the creator of all things bad in your life. And up until that point, I had a victim mentality day. Like, I pointed the finger at everybody. It was everybody else's fault. It was because I was black. It was because I grew up, you know, without any money. It was because, 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 because. It was always everybody else's fault. It was never Glenn's fault up until that point. And so when I heard that, I had that realization being a student, I immediately had my eyes open to like, okay, wait a minute. If I'm the catalyst of all things bad in my life, does that mean that I could be the catalyst of all things good in my life? 
Uh, and that question led me to open my eyes and to start to see the scenery a little bit different. And so that next day, there was a woman walking down the beach with a Dianetics book. She was handing out Dianetics books to people uh, on the beach. And so I stopped and talked to her. She walked on that beach probably a hundred times before. I never saw her until my eyes opened. I saw her. She talked to me. Uh, she handed me this book about Dianetics. We started talking about the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. She put me in her car. She took me to the Orange County Church of Scientology in Tustin, California. And I started to learn about self. And I spent six months at the Orange County Church of Scientology learning about what's called engrams and the things in our subconscious mind that control our decisions. I learned about the spiritual side of ourselves, that we are three-part mind, body, and spirit. I learned all of these skills. And then six months in, I realized that Scientology wasn't necessarily for me. Um, I have a lot of friends that are Scientologists, but it just didn't fit. It wasn't my path to full-on spiritual enlightenment. And so from there, I started to study Buddhism, and I started to study Christianity and all of these different things. And ultimately, I found my path to spiritual enlightenment through um, Jesus Christ and Christianity. But it all really started with my eyes being open and then getting around some people that thought differently than me that could then teach me these things that I didn't know to be able to discover that we are, in fact, 3D, not 2D. We are mind, body, and spirit. And since then, I've made plenty of mistakes. It's, I'm a two-step back, one-step forward kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've made plenty of mistakes since then. But since that revelation, I've looked at the world a whole lot different. Instead of if it looks good and it feels good, the answer is yes. Now it's if it looks good and it feels good and it is good, then the answer is yes. And that extra little component has helped me shift and transform uh, who I am at my core and ultimately the life that I live now, uh, 13, you know, actually I guess it's been 15 years later. Um, you know, now I'm at, now I'm at this point where I'm, I'm, I'm able to serve others in such a powerful way. And I've been able to create new tables, new environments, new group circles of friends and influence um, that have really been able to help me take my life to a new level. Well, that is uh, absolutely incredible. And now I know exactly what you mean when you say you had no seat at the table. I mean, you did. There, there was no table for That's you. Right. To, there was no table in sight, uh, uh, let alone people to sit with. So. That's uh, absolutely incredible. So you, you end up going into the car business and start making a name for yourself and building on a uh, um, in, in the automotive industry. And from my research, it looks like you ended up having a tremendous success with a, a small a car dealership in a small town where you where you turned things around and had tremendous growth over a four or five year period. What I want to know, I want to get to some of that. But how did that lead you to what you're really doing now? What you're known for? now with the internet and all these things you have your your rise and grind morning show and you also have breakfast with champions on clubhouse so how did this all how did this all unfold yeah man so i i had been in automotive before um, when i was living the, the 2d life and i had a career in automotive where my career did well but my dealership never grew and my life crumbled around it so i had gotten out of automotive decided i would never go back and then after you know the the experience in San Diego, um, 
and, and, and I ended up traveling and, and long story short, I ended up in Kentucky where I met my wife and I met my wife and she got pregnant with our daughter, Savannah. And she, at that point I was like working in bars and restaurants, you know, running free poker leagues and staying out till four in the morning every night still. <laughs> and uh, my wife was like, my now wife was like, bro, <laughs> you need to get a big boy job. Like this is not gonna work. I'm having a baby and you're out till four in the morning at the bar. Not gonna work. Right, right, and right. so the only thing I really knew how to do was was sell cars. That's, that's what I've always been really, really good at selling cars. And so I made a decision that I would go back into the automotive industry, but this time I wasn't going to allow the automotive industry to be a table that would affect me in a negative way, but instead I was gonna create an environment where it would have a positive impact in people's lives being in the car business. And so I went into a small dealership in the town that my wife grew up in. It was just kind of a little sleepy store and Luckily for me, uh, timing-wise, the new owners of the dealership had just taken over 11 days before I started, and together I became best friends with, with one of the owners. He's like a brother to me, and he became a great mentor of mine, and together we were able to just really experience tremendous success that no one had ever really seen in the auto industry, especially coming out of a small town. Uh, we grew 800% and ultimately became the second largest used car franchise dealership in the country. Wow. And during that season, we had to do a lot of social media. The town that we were in only had 9,600 people. So in order for us to grow and scale and become this, this giant in the industry so that we could make a positive impact in more people's lives, we had to stretch our internet reach, right? We had to reach out on the internet as far and wide as humanly possible. And there's no better way to do that than social media. So I started to really learn and understand the dynamics of social media and how we can use it in a very unique, powerful way to tell a story that activates not just consumers to want to come and do business with us, but also to recruit some of the top talent in the world to come to this tiny little city of Bears, Kentucky. Lou Holtz says it best, it's easier to win championships with championship players. And so over time, I just became, I started doing things that no one had ever done before in auto. Uh, for example, I started live streaming our Saturday morning sales meetings. I started live streaming those on Facebook so that everyone could see what we talk about behind the scenes and, and really humanize us instead of uh, thinking we're the big, bad, nasty car dealer. And so we told stories online versus just selling. We started really doing a lot of things and in 2018, uh, actually late 2017, because I spent a lot of time on social media for the dealership, I just was, it was eating me alive that there was so much negativity on social. Every time I'd go on, there'd be a shooting, there'd be a killing, there'd be a kneeling, there'd be a Black Lives Matter, there'd be a gay pride fight, there'd be uh, politics, there'd be division, there'd be all these things, and it just, like, ugh, it exhausted me. And so I firmly believe that if something really is bothering you, that that's God's way of saying, hey, do something about this. Mm. Do something about it. Don't just complain about it. Be a solution. 
And so I decided, okay, I'm going to create a space, even though I know I can't eradicate negativity online, I'm going to create a small space that'll be nothing but motivation, education, and inspiration. It'll be a safe place where people can come and know that they're not going to get hit with news or politics or anything like that. It's always going to be uplifting. It's always going to be empowering. It's always going to be informative. And, 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 and I, was, I, I was just compelled to create this space. It was like so overwhelming. I, I, my second thought from this, go ahead, Nate. It was, it was overwhelming. The feeling, it was one of those things you'd go to work, you'd come home, and this was on your mind constantly, day in, day out, like, I, I need to do something. It was an overwhelming feeling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, day in, day out, definitely. And so then the marketing side of me was like, oh, well, hold on. If we create this positive space, we can also win as a dealership if I create a good you know, tagline, a good jingle, then we can use this for marketing also. And so I used to start every single show, I'd say, uh, my name's Glenn Lundy, I'm a husband to one and a father to, back then it was five, but now I have eight. I'm a father <laughs> to five and uh, I'm also the general manager at Dan Cummins, Chevrolet and Buick in Paris, Kentucky, the second largest used car franchise dealership in America. It's 5.30 a.m. and I hope you're ready to rise and grind, right? So I would say that every day and I would tell stories of people in the dealership and so on and so forth to really just paint the, the, the dealership in a really incredible positive light. And so it was great for marketing. It was great for making an impact positively. And then also I had studied so many successful humans and I understand the power of the morning. If you change the way you start your day, it makes a massive impact in your life and the influence that people can have on you if they are a part of your mornings. And so that's why we ended up setting the time of 5.30 so that it would be first thing in the morning, be the first thing you listen to so we could create that affinity and that connection and really connect with our audience and be able to uh, really make an impact that way. And then there was the fourth component. I wanted to create a space where people would feel seen, heard, and significant because I would not wish that feeling of invisible on anyone. Mm. So I just knew if I could create a space and I could say people's names and I could let them know, hey, I see you, Nate, I see you, that that could have an impact, right? And so I put those four things together and created Rise and Grind. It was a mission, it was on my spirit, it was marketing, it was uh, impact, it was all the things rolled into one 30-minute ball. Um, and what I didn't realize is how big of an impact it would make. So I just started going live and it started to pick up traction and people started watching and then they wanted to be a part of a group. So we created a group and then they wanted t-shirts. So we created t-shirts and then they wanted live events. We did live events. And then they wanted planners. And then we did planners. And next thing I knew I was running this company and, and I was able to leave the dealership that I was at on a really high note. I loved working for that place. I loved working with Josh, um, but I just felt compelled to make a more global impact versus just a, com uh, a community impact. We were making a big impact in our community. I wanted to make a global impact. And so I left the retail side of automotive. Now I do more consulting side. We built a business around Rise and Grind to be able to serve people with exactly what they need to change the way they start their day. And fast forward, you know, two and a half, actually I guess it was three years later, 
this crazy thing called the clubhouse came out (laughs) and I was like, here's another opportunity to reach more people on a global scale by offering the exact same thing, motivation, education, inspiration, safe place, change the way you start your day, help people feel seen. And we do that all in clubhouse with our breakfast with champions now on an even grander scale than we're doing on Facebook with rising grind. So that's how it all kind of came together, man. Crazy. That's incredible. Yeah. So let's go back. Rise and grind ended up being a, a daily. What is it? Monday through Friday. It was a third, just a thirty-minute show to start the morning. Correct. Yep. Monday and, through Friday for thirty minutes. For thirty minutes, and it and you would come up with what just different motivational topics every single day. How how did you come up with this type of stuff? Yeah, man. So every morning. I go through a process. Um, I go through my, my, my morning routine, what, what I call the morning five. So no snooze button, no phone first thing in the morning. Write down your gratitude and goals. Take care of the physical. An object in motion stays in motion, so get that body moving. And then step five is to send out an encouraging message. So I wake up and I do, and I have for the last three years now, I wake up, I do those first four steps. And then step five is to send out that encouraging message. So I break out my notepad, I write the words good morning, and then I pause and I reflect. And I, I, I ask, I ask, hey, what, what is the message that I, you want me to deliver today? Like, what does somebody need to hear today? And, and I write, a message comes every morning and I write it. And then I, I go, uh, I jump in my truck, I come to the studio, I build a full production around it with B-roll and videos and you know picture clips and music and sound and all of that. And then I deliver it that day. So I, wow. I write it and about uh, an, an hour later I, I deliver it. And you know, it's, it's crazy Nate and I've, I've told my wife the very first time that I go downstairs and I write the words good morning and, and nothing comes, I'll know that that we're done. It's time to but hang them up. But until then, as long as I keep getting a message, I'm going to keep showing up. You that's, know? that's absolutely incredible. So <clears throat> that rise and grind led you to, it had such a massive impact, it sounded like in a very short period of time, just several years. And then along came Clubhouse. And Clubhouse came just like a year ago, right? Like 2020 at some point is when it really started c- catching a little bit of traction. So how did you have the foresight? I mean, nobody even knew what Clubhouse was. And uh, now you have this room. Right. Now you have this this brand called Breakfast with Champions, and your name's tied to it. And you have all these supporting casts of characters, for lack of a better term, a lot of these influential, successful people joining you. But how did you, Glenn, how did you create this thing and have all these people kind of join you in this mission instead of all these people creating their own rooms for example how were you able to pull pull all this together yeah man so as soon as i saw clubhouse which was uh the first saturday in january or the last saturday in december whatever whatever it was and Mm -hmm. um you know, I got on there and I saw that I was learning, you know, what the platform is, what it does. And, and instantly I was like, okay, wait a minute. You know, my rising grind show is a podcast. Also, we go live on Facebook, but then we strip the audio and we make it a podcast and we get hundreds of listeners daily that listen to the podcast. And so as soon as I saw clubhouse was an audio platform, I'm like, well, this only makes sense for us to let's take this audio and stream it into 
um, Clubhouse also, you know, get us more reach, we can get a global, uh, we can impact more people, right? It just fit the formula. Within that though, for the last year, actually more than a year, just before COVID hit, I had gone to um, my video guy and I said, man, I wanna do a YouTube series called Breakfast with Champions. And I wanna travel around the uh, United States. I wanna go to famous people's houses, knock on their door, and and um, kind of MTV crib style, check out their house real quick, maybe meet their spouse if they have one, maybe meet a kid or two, jump in their car and drive to their local favorite breakfast place and have breakfast with a champion mm. and just interview them over some scrambled eggs, you know, Beautiful. Uh, at their local place where they feel comfortable in their environment versus making them come to me. Right. And so... I had this idea and then COVID hit, right? And it's like, okay, well, first of all, we can't travel. Second of all, you know, we let you in their house. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and so it got shot down. Um, but then when I saw Clubhouse, I thought, oh my gosh, we, we can't do the travel part, but we can still interview champions and we can, we can integrate Rise and Grind and expand on it. Rise and Grind is a 30 minute show. Clubhouse works better with long format. So that was my Saturday thought. Sunday, I sent an email to people that I've done live events with, uh, my mentors, some of my coaches, people that I've interviewed on Rising Grind in the past, uh, anybody that I knew. And I sent out an email saying, hey, we have an opportunity to really make an impact on the Clubhouse platform. We're going to dominate the mornings. I already have the formula. I already know what works. Would you like to participate and be a part of it or would you not? And uh, I opened a room Monday morning, and Grant Cardone and many of the people that I emailed jumped into the room, and uh, we, we opened it at 5. At 5.30, I streamed the Rise and Grind show into that room, and then at 6, we talk about the show, that the, the topic that we just talked about on the show. We go more in-depth, more engagement, more audience interaction, um, Q&A. It's just really an expanse of Rise and Grind, and then... Uh, from 7 o'clock on, there are other friends of mine, moderators, people that I met on the platform. Uh, they all get a segment. So Breakfast with Champions is really like a television network. And everybody has their own show that they get to do within the network. And because we have the audience, they could go open their own room and have 40 people. Or they could have an hour in on our network and have thousands of people. And so by being able to provide a stage and an audience and really edifying the people that uh, that join me at the breakfast table, we've been able to create a synergetic win-win situation where they get the fulfillment of leading their own show and they also get to do it within our Breakfast with Champions network, if that makes sense. Absolutely incredible. For somebody that doesn't know what the heck we're talking about with Clubhouse, how in, in a couple sentences how in a couple sentences would you explain to, to clubhouse how it works and, and really what your mission is with it yeah so to me clubhouse is like a 24-hour conference right when you go to a conference there's other people there that are walking through the hallways that you can connect with and network with and exchange business cards 
when you're at a conference, there's different people speaking in different rooms on different topics, and you can choose which room you want to go into. You can grab a seat. You sit down with other people that are listening. You say hi to the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person to the left of you, the person to the right of you. You listen to the keynote speaker. You take notes, and there may be an opportunity for some Q&A or for you to be able to go up and share uh, as well, right? And so Clubhouse is that. It is a conference that is going on 24 hours with different rooms, different keynotes, different topics, all types of people in there that you can connect and network with, and it's all audio only, and it's global, which is amazing. It's audio only and it's global. So you can meet somebody from Australia, you can meet somebody from Europe, you can uh, exchange conversations, you can uh, uh, connect on the back through Instagram and DM channels, and it's, it's just networking on steroids. And yeah. our mission with Breakfast with Champions is again to create a safe place where people can come for motivation, education, inspiration, network with other like-minded individuals, and most importantly, feel seen, heard, and significant, knowing that they have a voice and they have a seat at the table. At the table. That's the mission behind it. At the table. That is perfect. That's beautiful. And I'm, I assume your your room is still evolving, right? You guys are adding a day. You're adding new expanded times. I mean, there's still a lot of things. You're still in an infancy stage with this, with this clubhouse thing. I mean, I would imagine you foresee this thing to continue to evolve and expand. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we, we started five hours a day, Monday through Friday. Now we're six hours a day, Monday through Saturday. And we have a Sunday service that we do now. We do a Sunday... Uh, a worship service which has been really really incredible and uh yeah we're just learning you know the platform's growing and changing and, and we're learning and growing and changing with it and then yeah. people sort themselves we're figuring out who are the best moderators and hosts that add the most value and and understand our core values and and i mean golly uh android users aren't even on the platform yet oh, that's, that's right 75 percent of the population is our android users wow so, wow um yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're still learning, but we're we're doing really well, man. Anywhere from ten to twenty thousand people a day uh, join our room, and yes, you uh, are. We get lots of uh, lots of great feedback. Yes, you <laughs> do. Hey, listen, it's it's the most popular room. Anyone that's just getting out the clubhouse, check them out. Breakfast with Champions. It's hard to miss. They they have a lot of high powered, high uh, net worth, successful people from all walks of life. And uh, inspiration and education and and one thing you didn't mention while while these other conferences quite often come with a fee, you could pop into a clubhouse room with people all over the world like you said, and this is free, and you get to learn from from some of the smartest, most inspirational people for free, which is really unique. One thing I did, it's amazing to me, Glenn. Before we finish up, because it's amazing how your life has really come 180. A man who used to internalize all this is all about me, 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 self, 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 and I'm going to one up somebody in order to get ahead. And here you are, fast forward 15 years later, whatever it is, uh, where now it's about everybody else and serving them. And what you're getting back in return because of the service is probably tenfold the fulfillment feeling, correct? Oh, yeah, man. A thousandfold. A thousandfold, <laughs> yeah. You can't put a value on it. Amazing. You can't it's put amazing. a value what a, on it. What a gift, right? What a gift. I want to just ask you, though, because there's one thing I've noticed with Clubhouse, and this is just playing the other side. One thing that I don't like about it, and you could correct me or you can kind of give me a different perspective, or maybe you agree with this to an extent. 
what I find is that a lot of people are going on there and they're trying to uh, make maybe a name for themselves or grow a following. Uh, almost becomes an egotistical mission. They're going to open up rooms. Their, their, their sole purpose, I feel it from some people. I just don't feel the authenticity from certain people that I've listened to on there. And um, and what I feel like is they're just going up there. They want you to follow everyone that's on stage, follow their friends, follow them. In order to just, what I'm saying, I guess, is I, I feel sometimes some of these rooms are littered with a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak. So, number one, do you see that? And if you do, uh, what are some of the ways that people that are navigating the app could kind of... Yeah, sorry I lost you there for a, a, a quick second. Um, but what I was saying is, one, do you see that? And, and number two, for people that are new or that are still learning and navigating, how do they kind of avoid those types of those traps or getting sucked into a room with somebody who's providing a lot of sizzle but not a lot of steak? Yeah, you know, Nate, um, I've learned over the years that we we can make us we can make assumptions but we never we never really know why people do what they do right mm -hmm. we, we we don't know necessarily exactly what their um intentions are uh, only they only only they do and so i do anytime i experience a negative energy right like if i'm like this just doesn't feel right something right. about this doesn't feel right something about this person doesn't feel right something about what they're doing uh can't be right then to me the best way to handle that is just just you're not for everybody and everybody's not for you so on clubhouse specifically if you get into a room that you don't necessarily enjoy like don't assume that all rooms are like that or don't assume that even that that person's a, a bad person. It just might not be the person for you. It might not, they don't add any value into your world, but that doesn't mean they don't add value into somebody's world. Right. And so what's great about Clubhouse is you can swipe a room to the left, I think it is, and that room will never show up in your feet again, right? Mm -hmm. You can uh, remove yourself at any time. You can leave quietly from a room. Uh, it only shows you rooms of people that you're following. So if there's somebody on there that that you uh, happen to, to to not resonate with, just don't don't follow that person, and you'll never see their rooms. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's yes. really neat that the app allows us to uh, really only experience it in a way that that resonates with us. It it allows us that different than other social media apps where your feed's going to get filled with advertisements whether you want it or not and you're going to see certain posts whether you want to see them or not it's not like that on clubhouse you can pick and choose uh it's almost like a, a choose your own adventure book right follow the people that add value to your world follow the people that you really resonate with and feel synergistic about or synergistic about stay uh visit explore right explore rooms that you find curious listen in on conversations that you never would have listened in on before and uh really just make it a fun place where you can invest your time and and, and just avoid anything that doesn't feel 
powerful. <laughs> well, it, well, That's the word I would like to well, use. Well it doesn't said. feel powerful. Yeah, well said. Step out of the way. Well said, and you know what? Over the course of time, people end up showing who they are. So it, it you know, it sorts itself out. No doubt, it absolutely sorts itself out. It does. Hey, uh, final question for you. Uh, really appreciate the time and insight, and uh, I look forward to watching your story continue to unfold because it's it seems like it's just starting. And um, my, but my final question no, for you, you is is uh, somebody that's listening right now, deep dark place you know, struggling, maybe they're in their teens, maybe they're in their 20s, maybe they're in their 50s. What's one message you have for them to give them hope that this is not there forever? Yeah, you know, life is um, filled with, with, with interesting twists and turns. And I, in my life, I, I, I've studied a lot of success in the most successful person in history is this guy named Jesus. Uh, his, his autobiography has sold 3.6 billion copies uh, <laughs> worldwide. <Right. laughs> it is the best-selling book of all time. So whether you're a spiritual person or religious person or not, uh, success leaves clues. And in this, this book, the, uh, the, the, the Bible, this best-selling book, uh, there is a story in there uh, about a woman who had felt like she had nothing left. She lost her husband and it was her and her sons and she was broke and, and her sons were gonna were gonna starve and she had no way to, to work or to care for them or to make money and um, in, in the story one of the prophets goes through and he asks her a very important question. He says he says, What do you have? As soon as she gets done telling him all of the things that she doesn't have, he asks this very important question. What do you have? And she says, I have this, this, this jar of, of, of perfume. And, uh, and he says, okay, gather all the jars that you can from all of your neighbors and, and start pouring from the one jar into the other jar. And long story short, this miracle happens where she's able to fill every single jar in, in, in the village and sell all of those, which is enough money to pay all of her debts as well as set her, her sons up for, for the future, for the next generation. And the message behind that is the same message that I would love to deliver to anyone. You know, if you are in that space where you feel like the world's crashing down around you and things just aren't going your way, I want to ask you that question, what's left? And I need you to understand that the miracles in life always come from what's left. The miracles never come from what you've lost and they never come from what you'll gain in the future. It always comes from what you have now. So take an inventory, what's left, focus on gratitude for the things that you do have in your life, and I promise you, tomorrow will be a brighter day. That's fantastic, and uh, you're a living example of that because had you not gone through what you did, 99% likely you would not be where you're sitting today. Uh, you wouldn't have felt that calling to start making an impact, which led to Rise and Grind and now Breakfast Champions, etc. So, hey man, all the best to you. Uh, yeah. We'll stay in touch and um, we will link you up in the show notes and everything and look forward to your continued success. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you so much.